strength we have in Jesus. Sing all three stanzas. Let's all stand for sing this.
couple of others just walked in. We're glad you're here this morning. And of course, everyone else is here. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Mom's first chemo went well on uh, Friday night. And yesterday, she was feeling pretty well. She was able to get down a whole hamburger yesterday. Thank you for praying for her. Thank you for continuing to pray for her. <clears throat> and Joseph, before you head off to class, would you bring me a cup of water? <clears throat> Chapter 6. <clears throat> this is a continuation of last week's last week's lesson. <clears throat> All night in prayer. Luke 6, verse 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. All night in prayer. We talked about some of the aspects of this, some of the, the, the different angles of looking at this, the confidential nature of this prayer time. So, he, he didn't invite anyone to prayer with him at this time. At this time of prayer, <clears throat> it's very different from any other times recorded in the Gospels. This time, he went out to pray. <clears throat> we talked about the, the calm nature of his praying at this time. It was up on a mountain. Um, people don't typically go up on a mountain at night just to, just to take a nap or just to go to sleep. Usually, they're down in the village. And uh, the mountain is a place of escape. And I think I mentioned that when we lived in Virginia, that was where people would go on the weekend. They'd get in their car and go, get out of the city. You imagine living among between somewhere between 15 and 30 million people. You want to get away from that and enjoy some nature. And so people would do that. And uh, this whole industry sprung up up there, up in the mountains. This whole industry of these cottages and these, these uh, former government employees that had some money they would invest in these little cabins up there and uh, next to a stream and they'd set up these concrete, it was so funny, these concrete pools and stock them with fish and then you could go and catch your fish from a concrete pool. And um, <clears throat> reminded me of the Beverly Hillbillies, the cement pond. <laughs> and they'd catch, you could catch the fish and then they'd, they'd, they'd skin it and they'd clean it and they'd season it and grill it for you and it was amazing, wow. But that was a whole industry based upon this, this fact that we are not made for the city. I'm not preaching against living in cities. The Apostle Paul went into cities and he established his ministries in cities. The Lord Jesus preached from village to city. And so we have nothing against cities, but that's not what God made us for originally. God also originally didn't make us to wear clothes. So... Yeah. Don't take these original things too far. We need to keep our clothes on. Uh, <clears throat> but the Lord of glory stepped away from the village. He stepped away from the city. He got up into a mountain where he could have some solitude and have some calmness. You don't hear that from a mountain either. 
Now, sometimes when we get up at the top of this Kukola Ridge here, whether it's Kuleo Ridge Trail or Willow Willie Ridge or Hawaii Ridge, sometimes you get up there and all you can hear is the wind and you can actually hear sometimes the ocean. From two or 3,000 feet up, you can hear the ocean. And it's, it's almost like you're in another world. And the Lord got away from, from the busyness that says it came to pass in those days. And we saw in the context, in those days, he was extremely busy. He was extremely busy. I think it was J. Oswald Sanders that pointed out that when the Lord, if you look at his ministry, it required something like superhuman stamina. Not strength, but stamina to do all the walking that he did, all the traveling that he did, all the preaching that he did. And if, if you have preached, you understand that real preaching takes a lot out of you. If you preach once on a Sunday, that makes you tired for the rest of the day. If you preach twice on a Sunday, Monday, you're wiped out. That's just the way it is. Um, and if you haven't preached, you're not a preacher, that's, that's fine if you don't understand that. But you that preach, you, you understand that. It came to pass in those days when he was very busy that he found solitude on a mountain. And he found solitude at night. At night, all alone, with nothing but the sound of the crickets and, and the, uh, the buffo. You go to the big island, you hear them all night long. Have you heard them on the Big Island, any of you? Please, Lord, let knock me out. But he got up there in the silence of night and the solitude of the mountain, and there was a calm, a calmness uh, to that prayer time. And then we look at this, there was the continual nature. The continual nature of his praying. It says he prayed, he continued all night. He continued. He continued all night in prayer to God. And I want to jump back into that, that aspect a little bit before we continue with uh, the other two mm, facets of this, of this prayer time. Let me read again. I didn't plan on this, but let me read again what Mr. Spurgeon said because I think it is so profound and so helpful in this area. Here's what he said about praying. And actually, he was preaching on this passage. Here's what he said. I do not think that we are bound to pray long as a general rule. In other words, we're not required to pray for long stretches of time, usually. By the aid of the Holy Spirit, it is possible to throw by holy energy and sacred zeal as much prayer into a few minutes as into many hours. For prevalent prayer is not measured by God by the yard or by the hour. Force is its standard rather than the length. When the whole soul groans itself out in half a dozen sentences, there may be more real devotion in them than in hours of mere word spinning. Good preaching. Good preaching. <clears throat> the Lord Jesus continued in prayer. He continued all night. We don't know what that looked like. We don't know what that sounded like because it was it was secret. I think we have maybe an idea of what he prayed like uh, from the Gospel of John when John was allowed to listen in to the Lord's high priestly prayer. We don't know exactly what he was talking about. 
Uh, we don't know how he prayed. Did he did he quote Psalms? Did he repeat the promises of Scripture? Uh, did he sing in his prayer? Um, did he have a list? Did he have a mental list of specific people he was praying for? I don't know. We don't know. That's secret. It was confidential prayer. But the fact is that he continued to pray. So, does the Bible require us to pray long periods of time like that? I think I mentioned this last week. When I was quite a bit younger, I had some good friends, a handful of young men, and we had this idea. We're going to pray all night. We're going to have an all-night prayer meeting. And we did, until about 12.30, 1 o'clock. And then the prayer meeting became a store meeting. <laughs> and um, sometimes I watched them drop off. And I continued in prayer until I didn't. <laughs> and sometimes they probably watched me drop off and they continued in prayer until they didn't. Does the Lord require us to pray all night long? I actually labored under the burden, the weight that oh, the Lord prayed all night long. So I should too. The Lord also walked on what? <laughs> the Lord also fasted for 40 days. I have only one friend. It was one of those that tried the third. If you know, like, only one friend who's fasted for 40 days. Not from water. He pitched a tent out in a desert in California next to a next to a spring. When he camped for 40 days and he 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 didn't eat for 40 days. And he said, Yeah, people asked me when I was all done. He, they asked, What do you what were you praying for? You praying for he was single at the time. Were you praying for a wife? He says, No, I was just trying to get close to God. Imagine that. Not trying to get anything, just trying to get close to God. The Lord did some things that he doesn't require us to do. And the short answer to the question, does God require us to pray all night, is no. He doesn't require it of us. Do you want to do it? If God lets you do it, go for it. Go for it. But there's no reason to feel guilty over something that God does not require of us. What does God require of us? 1 Thessalonians 5 Pray without ceasing That's what God requires of us To be always in an attitude Of prayer Always in a, a heart posture Of prayer I preached for our Chinese group church yesterday And uh, I told them I don't know how to explain that In English or Chinese But we need to always be in an attitude of prayer Always have our heart in communion with God There are times. I think there's a lesson here. That the Lord, who was for sure always in prayer, that's the command of Scripture. He always did the things that pleased God, so therefore we can take, I think, a safe guess to say that he was always in prayer. Even when he was teaching people. Even when he was healing people. 
even when he was working miracles, even when he was walking on the water, and maybe even in his sleep, his heart was in an attitude of prayer. But this time, in this season, he chose to set aside a time to do nothing but pray. To do nothing but pray. So on the one hand, we should always be in prayer. Whatever we're doing. We heard an audio drama. Let me recommend an audio drama for you. This is not a paid advertisement. The Brinkman Adventures. My family loves them. Some of you have heard of Adventures in Odyssey. Some of you might have heard of Jonathan Park. And um, Brinkman Adventures is a very well done audio drama. They produce it. They, they uh, give a new, a free show every week. And it is all about missions. Their purpose is to encourage, to open young people's eyes to missions and encourage Christian young people to get into missions. I love it. I love it. In the Brinkman Adventures a few weeks ago, they re-aired a show from several years back, and it was a story about a young man who was going on a short-term mission trip, and uh, the missionaries invited him to go on a prayer walk, and he said, is that safe? <laughs> I mean, won't I fall down? Will I trip? And the missionaries were some older ladies, and they said, what do you mean? He said, don't I have to close my eyes? <laughs> there are so many false ideas that we have, you know, that are not biblical. That you have to close your eyes or you have to bow your head. Surely there's a time for that, but not always. Because if you're praying without ceasing and you're still doing everything else the New Testament instructs us to do, you can't pray with your eyes closed all the time. When you're driving... There's no better time to pray than when you're driving. <laughs> and when you're driving, you better keep your eyes open. When you're washing dishes, keep your eyes open. When you're mowing the lawn, keep your eyes open. When you're working, whatever your work may be, keep your eyes open. Um, but be in prayer at the same time. But then, as a Christian, it's a good practice to follow the Lord's example. Find times to do nothing but pray close the laptop computer set the phone somewhere that you can't hear it buzz stay away from Facebook or X or whatever you're looking at and get your Bible open to some Psalms or get your prayer list to help your mind stay focused on what you're doing or get a hymn book and sing to the Lord. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. But find some times, make some times, to do nothing but pray. Amen. That's what the Lord did here. He was focusing his attention on praying. We're not commanded to pray all night without sleep. But we are commanded to pray without ceasing. Our Lord continued in prayer. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? Also, the Word of God says it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to 
God. He continued all night in prayer to God. That's the communing nature of his prayer. He was communing. He was fellowshipping. He was spending time with his father. The son sought for the father's fellowship, companionship, and he found it on a mountain at night in prayer. And that is what we need to do. That is what we need. The Lord Jesus spoke to his Father. We speak to the Father through the Son. The Lord was not muttering to the sky. He wasn't just talking. He wasn't repeating prayers. He was talking to God. Now Luke could have said that he continued all night in prayer, period. He could have ended the sentence with all night in prayer. That would have been fine. We would know what he means. But the Holy Spirit, for some reason, led Luke to write it this way. He continued all night in prayer to God. And we could say, well, isn't that obvious? Who else would he be praying to? But maybe it just serves to emphasize the point. Yeah. That the Lord Jesus was not just repeating prayers as many of his fellow Jewish people did. Repeating prayers words, saying prayers, the Lord didn't say prayers. He prayed. We are not to say prayers. We are to pray. That's why he said, when ye pray, pray thus. And he taught us how to pray. We don't have to repeat the words, our Father, which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You may repeat them. I may repeat them. That's fine. You can't find a better prayer than the disciples' prayer in Matthew chapter 6. But we're not required to repeat those words. We're to pray thus. Pray along these lines. Follow the principles laid down in this prayer. Well, you don't have to repeat the exact words. We're not to repeat prayers. Or, or, or say them from rote memory just out of habit because that's what we've been taught. Now, you can. You might find a prayer like when we sing, More love, O Christ, to thee, more love to thee. That's a prayer. And I've used that in my prayer life, and you can too. But you're not required to do that. That's not just repeating the words as a praying. I won't ask for a show of hands because I don't want to embarrass anyone, but have you seen The Chosen? I'm watching your eyes. So. Have any of you seen have any of you seen The Chosen? <laughs> I've seen some of it. The actor who portrays Jesus, his name is Jonathan Rumi. He is a Roman Catholic. He is a knight in the Knights Templar. He is on par with the 33rd degree Mason. The Freemasons. And he is a very outspoken Roman Catholic. And um, interestingly enough, he portrayed a man in a recent movie called the, the, was it the Jesus Movement or something like that. And uh, he said that before, when he was offered the, the part in that movie <clears throat> of this, uh, it's a hippie, really, in the 1970s in California, um, who started this, this movement uh, that led to Perhaps many people being saved, I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, 
he said that when he was offered that part, he went to the grave of the man that was going to be portrayed, that he was going to be acting if he took the part. He said, I, I, I sat down next to his grave. He said there was an open spot next to his grave. I sat there and I prayed the rosary with him. His words, I watched the video where he said this. He said, I prayed the rosary with him. With him? Man who's been dead for 30 or 40 years? I prayed the rosary with him. And I asked him, if, if I'm supposed to play this part, would you give me a sign? As my friend Pastor Flowers in Florida says, hello? <laughs> Are we listening? Right. And he said, and apparently the grave site is at the Crystal Cathedral. <laughs> and he said, the doors, right after I prayed, please give me a sign. He said, the doors of the Crystal Cathedral opened and a shaft of light came out. And an organ inside there blasted this note for five seconds. Or a chord for five seconds. And he said, I looked up and I said, Thanks. That's the guy who plays Jesus on The Chosen. So if you want to watch The Chosen, go ahead. But be aware of that. Be aware of that. But he was speaking, I think, at some kind of a big pro-life convention or something. And because he's an actor, and because he plays Jesus in The Chosen, people want to listen to him. And so he was standing there talking to all these people at the podium. And here's what he said. This is a loose quote. He said, one of the greatest gifts that God has given us is the rosary. What? What? Wow. So you can watch The Chosen if you want. Okay. All right. I've decided as for me and my house, <laughs> we will not watch any more of The Chosen. I, I watched some of it a few years ago, let my oldest son watch some of it, and now I'm realizing, no, this is just. What's the name of the man who's making the chosen? Uh, Jenkins? Yeah. Jenkins was doing an interview with Jonathan Ruby, and, and he said, I think God is telling this story. I think God is telling this story, talking about how the chosen is working out us coming together. He said, I think God is telling this story. <laughs> this isn't part of the notes or the message or anything, but just I just had to kick this a little bit, this calf. What I thought about what Jenkins said about God is telling this story, as in, as in the chosen is the story that God is telling. And Jenkins admitted 95% of the chosen is not biblical. Yeah. It's extra biblical. Here's what, here's what the New Testament says about God's story. God, Hebrews chapter 1, verse yes. 1, God, Amen. who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, verse 2, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, yeah. whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Verse 3. Who, being the brightness of his glory and the ex.
express image of his person. Not an actor who prays the rosary and lies down next to dead people and prays the rosary with them and talks and prays to them, which is which is which is forbidden in scripture. And upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. You can find a better story than that. That's right. God is telling this story. Amen. God is telling this story. Yeah. Oh, but I know people that have come to Christ by watching the chosen. Which Christ? Which Christ? Right. The Christ who quotes the Book of Mormon in the Chosen and says, "I am the Law of Moses." That's a quote from the Book of Mormon, an exact quote. The Christ who tells John the Baptist when, when John the Baptist is telling him that Herod has his, his own brother's wife. This is forbidden in the, in the scriptures. The Christ who says, oh, but I didn't come to enforce laws. That Christ? Which Christ are they coming to? Which Christ is that? Is this another Jesus? Is the chosen is the chosen getting people ready to accept and receive and welcome and worship and take the mark of someone who looks like Jesus? You know, someone's coming to this world stage called the Antichrist. That's right. And that word Antichrist is a really interesting word. Yeah. Because what the word is in the New Testament. It can mean against, or it can mean in place of. Yeah. As in vicar. Yeah. As in the vicar of Christ. Yeah. <laughs> now, the Lord Jesus Christ did not use a rosary. Or mutter prayers. I had a Catholic friend when I was a little boy, and uh, stayed at his house one night. And just for the record, we don't have our kids stay overnight at people's houses just because bad things happen. Thankfully, nothing bad happened except I did see something pretty rotten on his TV that night that I still remember. And that was quite a while ago. It's amazing what, you, what the brain can hold. But my my. My good Catholic friend, he had a, a rosary hanging on his bed, and it was glow-in-the-dark. <laughs> so I guess if he woke up in the middle of the night and needed to pray, he'd grab that glow-in-the-dark rosary and pray that rosary. I don't know what it was, but we don't need those kinds of just repeating prayers. The Lord didn't say prayers. He prayed. Yeah. He prayed. Yeah. And he prayed to God. There was communion with the Father. Communing with the Father. Now, Luke, as I mentioned, Luke does not record what the Lord said because Luke didn't know. <laughs> it was confidential. The nature of his praying was confidential. But John, God gave John the opportunity to eavesdrop. John said, let's look here. I, let's get an idea of what maybe the Lord prayed like 
in, in Luke chapter 6 by looking over at John 17. Now, of course, the timing is different. This was right before uh, his arrest, his betrayal, his crucifixion. And so this, the, the, the attitude of his prayer, I'm sure, was quite different than Luke 6. But you can get the sense of the fellowship here, of the communion, of this deep and precious and sweet relationship that the Son had with the Father. Look in John 17, verse beginning at verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Amen. We have these people that say, I, I, I've seen a speech given by a Muslim at this big Muslim convention where he quoted scripture after scripture taken out of context to prove that Jesus did not claim to be God. Incredible. It's amazing how the devil can twist the word of God to make it say, and how men can twist the word of God to make it say what they want it to say. But it's very plain there, isn't it, who Jesus was and who he knew he was. And he had a, he had a memory. He had a memory of that glory. And is it possible that when he sought his father in the quietness and the solitude of a mountain at night, that he was just reveling in, basking in the memory and the expectation of that glory? While he was on the earth, he didn't have that glory. That was all veiled away. But he remembered it and he looked forward to it. Looked forward to it. And could it be that he was just enjoying talking with his father, enjoying it? Now, on a very, very human level, we all do this, you know. We all have good memories that we like to remember. <laughs> when I lived overseas, sometimes I'd call my dad and and uh, my mom would, you know, she'd over over here, and we'd talk about this food and eating that and eating this. <laughs> And, I, and, and mom was listening and I heard her say is that all you have to talk about? Food? <laughs> you know what our spiritual pastor said? Man of God he said is there anything else to talk about? <laughs> well my sister's coming so I'm planning all these things we gotta go here we gotta go eat this we gotta go eat that <laughs> all these things we enjoyed as kids yeah. we gotta go eat some fried mahi mahi Maybe because Zippy's get chilly. I told Anna the other night, we went to see Grandma, and we're walking out, I said, you know, oh, there's, I smelled Zippy's chili. Oh, man. I just smelled so whiff. If you know, you know. <laughs> and I smelled the Zippy's chili, and I said, Anna. Yeah, this is sweet. Anna is uh, 12. 
And I asked her the other day, I said, are you too old to hold hands with your daddy? Is that okay? She said, no, not yet. <laughs> that makes her so, so good. So we're walking out of the hospital, I said, I smelled that, and I went, oh, Anna, there's something, there's nothing like the combination of, of chili, Zippy's chili, and white rice. Amen. And a hot dog, and mac salad. That, that, those four things just, there's a combination that nothing else has. Now, I've had some awesome food. I've had Indian food, real Indian food. And when I ate it, it's like the mouth just goes, fireworks. Wow. My brain never knew this existed. Wow. You know, I asked Emily, my sister, the other day, I said, yesterday, I asked her, you like Indian food? I said, Indian as in when you call the tech center and you hear their voice and you start craving it, that kind of Indian food. <laughs> She said, no. Okay, we won't go Indian food then. We'll go get something else. But we, we like to reminisce about these things. There's a magazine called Reminisce. It's all about old-time America, you know? And, and Reminisce, invariably, every issue has some food, some recipes in it. Why? Because it just brings things back. We love to reminisce. We have old photos. You should see all the photo albums in my house. You wouldn't believe all the pictures in my house. I mean, on the walls, in, in boxes, in albums, on our computer, on our phones. My phone, I think, says there's 40,000 pictures on there. I think they're stored up in the cloud somewhere, waiting for the last truck. <laughs> Why do we have all that? Because we treasure memories. And think about that. We say that all we have, or what we have, is our hope in Christ. But what is that based on? That's based on memory of what we have learned of the, of, of the truth in the past. Yeah. Of what he said in the past, in this book in the past. And there's a memory. All we have is memory. And that's why it's so sad when some starts losing their memory. They don't know who they are. But the Lord had this memory. Of that fellowship, that close, uninterrupted fellowship with the Father. You think about this. Before he came into this world, that fellowship was absolutely unbroken for eternity. And if you're like me and you start to ponder eternity, whether you're going backward or going forward, your brain begins to hurt. Have you ever done that? That is a mental exercise. To meditate on eternity to try to understand it my kids have asked me to explain eternity I said I can't I said you know what when I was your age I was four or five years old I was already thinking about eternity and I could not understand it and it scared me because the things that we don't understand can scare us but the Lord for eternity one with the Father in perfect harmony in perfect communion in perfect fellowship in glory unfettered glory but he left it all to come down here for us but he got alone with the father and maybe he just uh, enjoyed that taste of the glory fellowship and I think of all the facets of this time in prayer whether it's the confidential nature or the calming and calmed nature 
or the continual nature of his prayer time, maybe this, I really think this might be the most important aspect of this, of this prayer time. The communing, the fellowship with his Father. And for you and me, can anything be more important than fellowship with God himself? Right. In 1 John, the, the Apostle John wrote to us, to the beloved. He said, these things write I unto you. That, let's look there, 1 John chapter 1. I, I, I do this more and more often nowadays. My, I, I begin to quote a scripture and then I say, let's turn there. Because my memory is not what it used to be. I have a theory, I can't prove it except through my personal experience, because there aren't too many other dads quite in my situation. But I have a theory that with every child, the father loses memory cells. <laughs> I have a hard time remembering their ages now. That's not good. Checked in Matthew the other night for his broken arm, you know. Some of you know he had a broken arm. He's, by the way, when you see him, just smile at him as you normally would, but don't mention this. He's very embarrassed. He wanted to stay home today because his face looks like he had a fight with the pavement. He, he did. He, he had a fight with the pavement on, on Friday, uh, Thursday afternoon. And he hit a, a bike ramp and he went up and he came down. <laughs> Gravity works. And um, he went over the handlebars and he face planted, but um, when he face planted, his right forearm snapped. And uh, I went, I was talking to, to a neighbor right outside our driveway, and I saw the kids down there at the neighbor's house like 300 yards down. And I did play, and then I realized Matthew has been down the ground for several minutes. What's going on? All the kids are kind of around him. I said to the older neighbor lady, I said, I need to go see what's up with Matthew. I need to go check him out. She said, okay, you go. I shot down there on my bike, and he was sitting on the ground, you know, in a ball, and I looked at his arm, and my first thought was, oh, no. Not because, oh, no, you got to spend a night in the hospital, but, oh, no. <laughs> we finally got a broken bone. Can you imagine with eight boys, we have all never had a broken bone until Thursday? <laughs> Can you imagine that? I never had a broken, which is a miracle. Ask my mama. It's a miracle that I didn't have a broken bone. I mean, broken head, maybe. <laughs> anyway, he, he broke his arm. And so when you see him, just, hi, him, good to see you. Let him know you're glad to see him here because he wanted to stay home today. He was in tears. Why was I telling you all that? Losing memory. Like John said. Yeah, okay, let's, let's get back to the scriptures. First John chapter 1, verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. John wanted you to have that same fellowship. And who inspired John to write these words? The Holy Spirit of God. 
Would you say that it's safe to say that the Holy Spirit wants you, Christian, to have fellowship with God? Amen. With the Father and with the Son? Amen. That's amazing. That's, right. That's astounding. That is mind-boggling that the Creator of heaven and earth wants you to spend time with Him. That's amazing. That's humbling. That's ennobling. It's challenging. It's comforting. The Lord Jesus Christ, I think He delighted. He delighted. It wasn't a hard thing for Him to go up on a mountain and pray all night. But there's one more one more aspect or one more part of this prayer time that we need to see. And that is back in Luke chapter 6. But now the next verse sheds light, I think, on why he chose this specific time to set this specific time apart to do nothing but pray. Again, this was not his, his habit. There are other places in Scripture that tell us as his custom was. He went to the Sabbath. Right? He, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath as his custom was. Why? Because that is where God's people met to worship God. That is where God's people met to hear the word of God read and expounded. And he, that's where he went. And the Apostle Paul followed that same custom as his custom was. It was his habit. Luke doesn't tell us he went up into a mountain to pray all night as his custom was. This was a unique a unique event. Probably like the only time that he did this, but it was unique. Luke 6, verse 13. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. How many disciples did he have? Don't say 12, because you'll be wrong. He had 500 disciples. And from those 500, he, he whittled it down. He chose 70 and he sent them out to preach. And from those 70, this, he called unto him his disciples. So think it could be somewhere between 500 and 70. We don't know which of those two groups he called from. He called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose 12. Of them he chose 12. And then uh, whom also he named apostles, and it names the 12. Why did he pray all night? I think there was a comforting, a strengthening nature in that prayer. Did he need help from above because he was weak? No. Did he need wisdom from above because he was he lacked he was simple? No. No. But he but while he was the Son of God, he was also the Son of Man at the same time. And we see in the four Gospels time and time again that he voluntarily laid aside uh, what theologians call divine prerogatives. The, the characteristics, attributes, or, or abilities of God that he could have used, but he set aside so that he could serve as the Son of Man and be familiar with our weaknesses and our infirmities as human beings. And so maybe that was something he just set aside. He even said that even the Son of Man does not know yeah. the time of his coming. Only the Father knows that. So he set aside a good bit of, of wisdom or, or knowledge 
and even ability. He could there, he could not there do many mighty works because of their unbelief. The Son of Man. And as the Son of Man, I think he was seeking for for for, for direction, for wisdom, preparation of his mind and his heart as he did this next big thing. What was the greatest thing the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished on this earth? Well, he died for our sins. He died for our sins and he rose from the grave. That was the greatest thing he did. What, what Luke calls in Acts chapter 1, his passion. Fulfilled his, accomplished his passion. But after that, not in chronology, but in order of importance. The most important thing that our Lord Jesus Christ accomplished on this earth was training those 12 men. That was the most important thing he did. He never wrote a book. He never had a podcast. He never was on TV. He was never on radio. He never traveled internationally, unless you count going into uh, Idumea international travel. He was a local evangelist, in a sense, preaching in basically in one country and focusing most of his attention on teaching those 12 men. Did he preach to large crowds? Yes. Did he witness himself to individual people? Yes. Did he heal people individually? Yes. Did he work miracles? Yes. But primarily, what you get when you read the four Gospels is that he focused most of his attention on teaching those 12 men. And he did not do that without first spending all night in prayer to God. It's comforting, strengthening in this prayer time. And when it was day, verse 13 says, when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. How much more, how much more do you and I need to pray before starting anything new? Whether it's a new day or a new opportunity of service. Kristen and I are talking and praying about a new opportunity with because we have nothing else to do right now. We <laughs> just this new this 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 opportunity has has come to our attention, and it's almost like if we don't pursue this, it would be wrong to not at least see if we push on this door if it doesn't just blast wide open. But I guarantee you, I am not going to just run through that door. You know what we're doing? We're praying. We're praying. Because I don't have the brains. I don't have the experience. I don't have the wisdom. I'm glad to admit it. We have got to seek God in prayer before we attempt to do anything for Him. Right. And really, that's why I said before New Day even, because as Christians, we have to keep this in mind. You don't have to get behind a pulpit to be a servant of God. That's right. I wish, I wish some of you ladies could meet some of the people that I've met in the hospitals in the last few weeks that my mom has told me about and that I met. 
Matthew was in a room with another little boy behind the curtain, probably four or five years old, malnourished, a little bit retarded, playing with an iPad, very noisy, loud, obnoxious, Nickelodeon-type sounds coming out of that iPad. And I peeked over on the curtain, and I saw him, and he was sitting there. His mom hadn't come to visit him the day before, I heard the doctor say. So he was there all alone, except for nurses coming in. That day, I heard the doctor tell the nurse, his mom's not going to come today because she has a headache. She's going to come on Monday. That little boy is sitting there in his diapers, squatting on his bed, all alone. I said, hi. He said, hi, hi. That's about all I can say to me. Hi, hi. I said, how's it? He went, hi. I said, he had this nice red hat on. I said, hey, I like your hat. He said, yeah. I said, oh, you have nice hair too. Big head of black hair. Nobody was showing. The nurses came in and you know they take care of him, they check his vitals and all that, and they're trying to get his weight up, they're trying to feed him formula because he doesn't eat the food they bring him. And they, you know, someone brings him food, and the lady says, the orderly says, Aren't you going to eat? He goes, No, no, I don't there's chicken. No. But as far as someone showing him just affection, just love sitting there, read him a book or rub his back or something. I'm a man, I can't do that. I'm not allowed. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't look right for me to go over there and hold a kid in my arms and my lap and say, you know what? Jesus loves you. I'd do it in a heartbeat if I was allowed. And it was not seen. Ooh, but some of you ladies could do stuff like that. Wouldn't that be something? Not all services behind the pulpit. In fact, most of it's not. This, the pulpit is, is to equip the saints to do the work of God out there. Yeah. In your homes and wherever God puts you. We better not do anything that we attempt without seeking God's, God's face first. And seeking his help and his wisdom and his direction first. He ended that prayer time. But when he went up to heaven, guess what he continues to do? Now, he continues... You pray now. And what do we learn from them? Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Oh, by the way, the chosen said that Jesus has faults. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus found comfort in prayer. And you know I should too. Okay. Yeah, I should too. So, we continued all night in prayer, communing with God, finding comfort. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. Right? And we don't have to pray all night, but we can pray without ceasing. And our Father will hear us in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we can Enjoy his comfort, his presence, and delight in him. Amen. He wants us to do that. That's an open invitation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the Lord Jesus, our Savior. Thank you for all that we have.
in Jesus through prayer. Help us, I pray, to enjoy and use this, this gift that you've given us, the opportunity to seek your face in prayer. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.